Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, On The Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is across from me. Mr. Rob is on the other side of the glass over my right-hand shoulder. And uh, Mr. Dave is going to give us a call. Right. We're going to talk to David Rowe, the state representative in the 85th District. So we're going to open up the mic for him shortly. But I want to tell you, there's some vehicles you can't get at the Sunbury Motor Company. No. But, but there are many that you can. Okay. The, the Ford Ranger. they got some on the lot, and they'll be more than happy to order one for you. they got a half a dozen F-150s on board, and they'll order another one if you want. Echo Sports, Escape, Edges, F-250, Explorers are things that they do have. You can get a Bronco Sport as well. Uh, so they got a lot to offer you at the Sunbury Motor Company. Plus, they got more allocations, they call it. It's more opportunities for you to get top trade value. Uh, you don't have to go a long distance to get the Sunbury Motor Company. Uh, you can get great service and comprehensive work there. And of course, they're still a volume dealer, so the volumes are slightly less, but they're still a volume dealer, and they would just love to do business with you at the Sunbury Motor Company. That's our sponsor. You can also visit the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury. It is an opportunity uh, for you uh, to get a tremendous value from your money. Sunbury Motors, do as I've done. Uh, start a half a dozen vehicle searches at uh, sunburymotors.com. With that, we welcome on the Newsline State Representative David Rowe of the 85th District. I still call him a freshman state representative. But freshened? Freshman. Oh, uh, I but thought he's you said been freshened. Here. Well, he is, but has been freshened in the new year. He's not past his sell-by date, I gather. <laughs> are you, David? <laughs> <laughs> not quite. I hope not, at least. How okay. are you guys? All right, yeah, you, good, sir. Good, good, good. Did you ever start to get a sense on how long you might want to stay in the state house? Well, I mean, I'm definitely enjoying uh, serving in this capacity that the people have uh, have seen fit to hire me for. Uh, so, I mean, I, I really think it's up to up to my constituents. And if they think I'm doing an okay job, I'm happy to stick around and keep serving them. And as soon as they're tired of me, they can uh, they can show me the door. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully it's a little more gracious than that. But, uh, yeah, that's, I guess that is how it works. Well, let's start out with what has happened most recently. The governor had a budget address and has unveiled a budget. Uh, there's probably one or two things in there you think might make a little bit of sense and some other things you think are a little overdone. Your reaction to the governor's budget? proposal, and I'll add to that, how should we spend our money, in your view? Sure. Well, I'll give the governor credit. Uh, this is the first time that I've been there that the governor has not tried to weaponize our our critically important ag research spending. Uh, the, the other budgets that I've worked through in Harrisburg so far, given that's very few, uh, the governor has zeroed out all of those essential line items uh, and simply made them a bargaining chip that we've had to get that back in. Uh, and I think it's kind of a, uh, a little bit of a disingenuous bargaining chip to bargain with people's food supply. But, hey, uh, I, I, you know, the governor's going to do what he's going to do. But I will give him credit. This time around, he did not zero out those items. So that was, a, a, I think, a positive message for from him, uh, finally showing some support for our ag community. So I'll give him credit there. Uh, but overall, you know, we look at this budget, and it, it is a 16.6% increase. 
And just to, just to equate that, Mark, that's $17 million in new spending per day. Or you can break that down to about $1,000 per working Pennsylvanian. Uh, so, you know, we're looking at uh, you know, the highest inflation in decades. We're looking at rising prices and groceries and everything else that, you know, people just need to survive. Uh, and so to be spending a 1000 extra more dollars that Pennsylvanians don't have, you know, we're really looking at how we're living through how people who are most impacted by uh, government overspending are the people who can least afford it. Right, it's the people on fixed incomes, the senior citizens, the single parents. Those are the people who can least afford these spending sprees. Uh, but you know, looking at a 16.6 percent increase that will leave us with an 800 million dollar deficit next year, uh, which is quite the contrast to our current financial position, which is one of stability, uh, thanks to the fiscally responsible budget we passed last year. Uh, I, I think that's very short-sighted for the governor to leave his successor in such a bad financial way. What's going to happen with the budget day, from your viewpoint? I mean, I'm sure the Republicans aren't just going to give him a rubber stamp. So what do you think the likely outcome will be? Sure. So the budget process kicks off with the governor's budget address. He kind of makes his pitch, his ask, if you will. Uh, I don't think ever in Pennsylvania history the governor's uh, budget has been passed as it was you know, initially proposed. I think there's always been some negotiations because now begins the, uh, the long phase of appropriations hearings where every agency will uh, come before the House and Senate Appropriations Committees. Uh, they will be uh, grilled on their spending, on, uh, on their programs. They will be uh, held accountable, hopefully, uh, for the things that they overspent on or underperformed on. Uh, and after those budget uh, hearings are completed, uh, then the House and Senate will put together their own budget proposal, uh, present that to the governor, and then the negotiations back and forth begin. How high are you willing to take the minimum wage? Um, a lot of folks, bipartisan, said, you know, a hike in the minimum wage would work. 12 or $15 an hour seems too high to a lot of folks. Where are you on this? So I, I think you know, Mark, my, my personal opinion is the market should set the wages. Uh, you know, we saw under President Trump that wages actually increased faster uh, than the rate of inflation across the United States. And that was because, you know, there was fewer taxes, fewer regulations. And obviously, everybody wants to make more money, and I want everybody to make more money. Uh, but having the government step in and mandate that, I, I think, is very short-sighted. And, you know, I, I would tell anybody who's listening, if you are making minimum wage, you know, there are any uh, number of jobs available. You can stop by Sheets, and they have a, you know, a starting supervisory position at $17 an hour. Uh, so the opportunities are out there for anybody who wants to make more than minimum wage is there. Uh, you know, the very few people left in the Commonwealth that are making minimum wage tend to be, you know, young people who are still living with their parents and, uh, you know, working on perhaps very small mom-and-pop shops or farms or roadside stands. And the opportunities for those uh, young people to earn, uh, you know, earn a little bit of a, a living, a little bit of an opportunity to budget their own finances, gives them an opportunity to work in customer service, to get to, you know, develop a work ethic, have an understanding of how a workplace environment should work. Uh, and those soft skills really are critically important for our workforce going forward. Mark, you know, I, I worked at the, the Lewisburg Farmers Market for a couple of years growing up, and it was great for me. I learned how to interact with customers, you know, had to learn to do some quick mental math, giving people change, uh, you know, taught me the, the need to, you know, get up early and, uh, you know, manage and budget my money appropriately. And those are the sorts of jobs that will disappear uh, if we end up uh, mandating a much higher minimum wage. And I, I, I have concerns over what that will then do to our workforce down the road. Well, the governor's education proposals are somewhat different this year. He's always advocated throwing lots of money at education. Is there anything in his education proposals you like, anything you dislike, and if so, what? Well, Governor, uh, Governor Wolf's uh, favorite tagline uh, is to say that uh, the Pennsylvania schools are chronically underfunded. 
Uh, but, I mean, if we look back over the, the, the last year or two, you know, school districts have received billions of dollars from between the state government and the federal government. They've received billions of dollars. Uh, additionally, you know, I think you can talk to many people anywhere in the Commonwealth that our property taxes just seem to continue to go up. And, in fact, if you compare Pennsylvania to most other states in the union, we are one of the highest spenders per student when it comes to education. So if Governor Wolf is unhappy with the current performance of public schools in the Commonwealth, I, I think that the issue then is not necessarily to throw more money at the problem, because that clearly hasn't worked so far. I think the issue is then to make sure that every student has the opportunity to thrive wherever they need to, to, you know, to have the best excellent education for them. I think for some students, public school system works great. For some students, it doesn't. Some students need to be uh, able to have a uh, virtual learning option at home. You know, like a charter cyber school. Some students want to thrive in a certain area, whether it's because they're not working out of the current public school, maybe they're being bullied, you know, whatever the issue may be. Uh, and the charter schools options have been a perfect outlet for those students to find the best education that suits them. So, you know, across the board, we're able to see statistically that when students have the ability to choose the best educational option for them, they do better across the board in all statistics. So if Governor Wolf wants to truly improve education, you know, he should be expanding upon that the, the, the students' and the parents' ability to choose. And I will give him credit. Last, uh, last time around, the governor did agree to sign a fairly large expansion of the Education Improvement Tax Credit, uh, which uh, has had a waiting list uh, for, for a very long time. And even the governor's uh, increase of it will not eliminate the waiting list, but it will severely decrease it, uh, meaning that a whole bunch more kids will have the opportunity to go to the school that suits them best. And I think we need to see more of that. Well, from the Republican side of the aisle, what would you be willing to do in terms of educational spending? What do you think the priorities are or should be? So I have had a, a general rule since coming into the General Assembly. Uh, I believe that, tax, that, uh, that government spending should stay within uh, you know, the consumer price index, the, the, uh, the rate of infra- uh, inflation population growth, meaning uh, I'm sure you've heard me uh, mention the Taxpayer Protection Act uh, that we've been working on trying to get passed, and that would put a constitutional uh, question on the ballot for the people of Pennsylvania to decide, you know, should, the, uh, should state spending in Pennsylvania be capped at the uh, you know, Consumer Price Index and Population Growth Index, uh, so that that way we are making sure that our state spending is increasing in a, uh, a linear manner instead of an exponential manner, which is what you want the government to do. You want the government to grow as the economy grows, as the population grows, uh, and that way you can maintain sustainable spending and low tax rates. If you are doing increased exponential spending every year, that's when those tax rates end up going through the roof and you end up having unsustainable budgets. So I would be willing to support a budget that increases spending only within the margin of the Taxpayer Protection Act. What's, what would that be? I mean, nowadays inflation is 7%. Would that also be that high of an increase year to year then? It's a merged index. I can get you the exact number. I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I okay. can pull that out for you. We normally determine that once we uh, start our budget negotiations. Yeah, that's certainly that might be higher than what you want it to be now because of inflation. Okay. Uh, redistricting. You're going to meet some new friends if the current uh, state house map gets approved. Your, your reaction to losing some old friends and gaining some new ones? Yeah, I think that it, it's very clear that the, there was an objective behind these maps when they were redrawn. Uh, you know, the, the Constitution of Pennsylvania very clearly spells out that municipalities should not be split up unless absolutely necessary. Uh, and the Chancellor Nordenberg from the University of Pittsburgh, who the Supreme Court appointed uh, as the chairman of the Legislative Reapportionment Commission, uh, very clearly took uh, all the cities in Pennsylvania and chopped them up like pies to make sure that they could create as many state districts for their members as possible. You see cities like State College and Reading 
Scranton, uh, you know, Lancaster, all these cities, uh, which were once, you know, uh, contiguous homogenous districts being chopped up uh, so that they're able to create some safe seats for themselves. So that's why I think the maps were changed so drastically over, over the last set of maps. Uh, yeah, about half of the 85th, 85th district will be new people. I'm very excited to get the, the new pe- get to know the new people both in uh, Eastern Snyder County that used to be uh, in Representative Culver's district. I'm also very excited to get to know the folks in Northern Juniata and Mifflin counties. Uh, I'm happy to get to know them, and I'm excited to go to work for them too. Well, of course, you'll be uh, having Shemokin Dam, so I guess I'll get to see you more often, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. I'll make sure you have my phone number if you don't already. <laughs> Think Municipal Radar, if he hasn't already asked you about that. So, yeah, that'll be coming up. All right, uh, uh, legalizing recreational marijuana is being considered in a committee level now. Have you had a chance to glance at any legislation that might emerge from this and uh, establish an opinion on that? So I think the bill you're referring to is, is a Senate bill. I think you're referring to uh, Senator Regan's bill. Um, and when that comes over, we'll definitely take a look at it. I think that the, the current conversation to have uh, as it pertains to marijuana usage is, is just creating parity uh, with, our, with our safety laws and also you know, with, with medical prescription laws. Currently in Pennsylvania, uh, if, if you are pulled over and any you know, trace elements of marijuana are detected in your bloodstream, it's considered an automatic DUI. And the issue with that is that the the the, uh, the remnants of it can stay in your system, you know, for 10 to 14 days. So even if you have, you know, perhaps a, a veteran who has uh, severe PTSD and he has been prescribed illegally medical marijuana and he is using it within the you know the the, the limits that he is supposed to for his prescription, if he's pulled over, he's not driving under the influence. Maybe it's been a week or two since he's had any. He'll still get a DUI. Uh, even if he was not impaired. And I, I think that uh, does a disservice to those individuals who are who are using it correctly, as it should be prescribed. So actually, last year, I did vote on uh, an amendment that ended up not, it didn't make it across the governor's desk. Uh, but that would have simply treat, uh, treated medical marijuana like any other controlled substance, where if, you're, if you are under the influence and you are using it outside the purview of your prescription, then that's an issue. You're putting other people's lives at danger. Uh, but if you are using it as prescribed, you're not under any influence, you should not be penalized uh, beyond that of any person who's using any other drug responsibly. Dave, let's go back to uh, reapportionment for a minute. The state Supreme Court has put on hold petition signing uh, for, I guess, all offices, even United States Senate, which, of course, wouldn't make much difference. But, you know, how is that going to impact you and, you, and as you pick up new territories, and how do you think it's going to affect the General Assembly in particular? Well, I think it definitely makes things a little bit more difficult. Court recommended pushing back the petition date, uh, petition starting date until March 1st. Uh, and that at least was, you know, give us a little bit of a concrete date to work with. Uh, you know, all of these, uh, this situation is hardly ideal. You know, the delayed census, delayed the reapportionment, the reapportionment uh, really made a big mess out of the map, making a lot of us start from scratch in some, some new areas. So none of the situation is ideal, but I'm hoping that sooner rather than later the Supreme Court lets us know what we need to do, because the longer they delay, the longer it makes it for everyone, from the governor's candidates down to the state house candidates. There were so many maps presented, and I guess the question would be, do you get any sense of which one is likely to prevail? Are you speaking on the congressional maps or the state house State maps? house and state house maps, which were su- subjects of some contention. Yeah, I, I, I believe that under the current maps, I think we'll end up being as close to the final maps as we will probably see. 
uh, given that the state Supreme Court is the one who appointed Chancellor Nordenberg to chair the Legislative Redistricting Commission, I do not see this being likely that they will overrule their own appointee uh, on any of these issues. I definitely think there are some legal issues. There was uh, some issues as far as you know uh, disenfranchising parts of the minority population, which, as we know, definitely uh, has some violations of uh, you know, the Voting Rights Act with the on the federal level. You know, we saw minority populations, you know, marginalized, where the numbers of communities that could have been majority minority communities ended up being chopped up and you know spread out so that they could create more state Democrat districts. Uh, but I do think that at least on the state level, these maps will stand muster uh, because, like I said, the Supreme Court appointed the guy that drew them. So it's not likely that they're going to tell their own guy that he was wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, finally, convention of states. Uh, that's over in the Senate, too. Have you had a chance to look at that and start to form an opinion about whether you would support that? Yeah, I, I see some of the pros behind it. I know there's definitely some people who have some valid thoughts on, on the usefulness that it could have. Uh, but I will also say that the, the idea of a convention of states is one that is certainly one that needs to be approached very lightly. You know, we are looking at the Legislative Reapportionment Commission. You know, we were just talking about redistricting, where the Supreme Court essentially is the one that draws the map. Originally, our Constitution left that clearly up to the General Assembly, but it was actually at a state constitutional convention that came together to, uh, to change that process. So I, I, have, I have caution against anything that opens up the Constitution. I think our founding fathers were much smarter than we were. Uh, and while I understand some of the, the objectives of one, and those are things I certainly agree with, you know, spending limits, those sorts of things, I also am concerned that opening up a convention of state box could potentially have greater consequences than the people who want it to, uh, want it to have. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you so much. Anything else you want to add? Maybe we didn't ask you. Well, I just want to thank you very much for having me on, Mark. I know it's been a while. It's great to be back with you guys. I'm looking forward to getting to know the people in Snyder County that I haven't had a chance to represent before. Uh, same thing with the folks in Junior Mifflin. I'm certainly going to, uh, you know, miss my Union County roots, you know, the hometown I grew up in, the church I go to, even even the business that I own that I used to all be within my district now are not. Uh, those are all going to be in Stephanie Borowitz's new district. She comes over from Clinton County. Uh, but I will say to any of your listeners that are in parts of my new district, I'm looking forward to getting to know you. And if any of you guys need anything, feel free to reach out to my office. We're here to help. All right. Sounds all right. great. Well, thank you Thanks, so much. David. you got an open mic anytime to talk about these important topics. They're all evolving now. So check back in. We'd love to hear from you, David. Thank you. Take care, Thank Dave. you. State Representative David Rowe, 85th District of Lewisburg, as he mentioned, business owner, uh, elected, uh, took office in 2019, so he would have been elected before that and got to fill the uh, expired, unexpired term of Fred Keller back in the day, as I recall. So uh, we invite you to react to what he had to say about the budgets, and uh, he's going to listen to the legalized marijuana conversation and is monitoring the redistricting, although that's never a, you know, a certainty until it's finally uh, takes effect, and that uh, Convention of States is still uh, one of the local legislators around here who's skeptical. Your reaction to that, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. 
You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Yeah, how much are you I got wagering? five bucks on Cleveland. Oh, do you? Okay. Or Cincinnati, rather. Oh, Cincinnati. Cleveland, no. I know it was Ohio. I just yeah, the Browns know. aren't in it, all right? We know no, I know. So, unfortunately, yeah, my father would like that if they were. But, uh, yeah, one-tenth of every man, woman, and child in the U.S. is wagering some money on the Super really? Bowl. Really? Yep. One-tenth. 30 million people. Well, I see these ads people. on TV all the time for different fan books or whatever they call them, and you can bet on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Parlays. Oh, yeah. That's I never thought I'd see commercials. You know, back in the day, we used to consider that kind of stuff illegal and well, bad. Well, and I, I run into people all the time, you know, super intelligent, normal, professional men and women who say, oh, I'm, I'm betting. Uh, oh, you know, I really I, I lost my shirt over the weekend, you know, <laughs> gambling on the Internet with uh, on football. Of course, I doing prefer it to keep my shirt on. If you don't <laughs> yeah, doing it through <laughs> Pennsylvania. Uh, we just got a text. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the text working for a while. How does he feel about House Bill 1186? Uh, he voted against it, so you answered your own part of his question. But uh, we'll send that him to elaborate. I'm not familiar with that particular bill by number, so well, we'll we have a call on the line, we'll so see. we can get to that too. Stan, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Good, good morning. I want to stir the pot a little bit today. I have a question for all the progressives out there. Uh, how can this country allow the illegals to come into this country and go to these cities they call sanctuary cities and commit crimes and not be arrested and deported? Although I shouldn't say that. See, what I'm talking about is in D.C. at the Union Station. Somebody put some graffiti on the walls. It was a swastika. And the person they've arrested is an illegal alien that's been deported four times, well, at least three times, and returned. So it's maybe a fourth time back in the country illegally. But they won't, the Biden administration won't deport him because he's in a sanctuary city of D.C. So how, how does that work? How, how, how is it uh, the illegals are above the law and the citizen is, has to obey the law? I'd like the people that know it all. I have a few people in mind, Tom and Eric, for example. <laughs> I know it know all. Everything. I know I'd, it I'd all. I'd like an answer for that. <laughs> Stan, I know it all, too, so don't forget to include me in the list. Um, honestly, I think, you know, you have people that are caught up in the purpose of a, of a sanctuary city is to make sure that individuals who are, you know, marginalized and having trouble getting established and have good jobs and want to get going in the U.S., even though they can't get in the... <laughs> proper way. Uh, that's why, you know, sanctuary cities exist. You know, it makes it easier for police. It makes it easier for a wide range of things. But, of course, look at the negative outcome. What you say is true, that uh, the Biden administration is not cracking down on sanctuary cities. It is, a, you know, it is part of a comprehensive issue that's been going on in the U.S. for 20 years. Municipalities, you know, like San Francisco and Washington, setting up sanctuary cities where they don't deport individuals. And of course, the, uh, I, you know, the immigration 
Mexican service always <laughs> had local municipal police. Their hands were tied. They wouldn't come. Like if Shemokin Dam police picked up somebody who was illegal, they would say, we'll just release them. We don't have the time to go get them. You know, so you're caught in that. Of course, we have open borders. Every border in the U.S. is 100% open. I mean, they have a little fence there or something, but as you know, people just go around it or whatever. So, you know, it, this is a huge dilemma. You well, laugh at it, but, you know, there's there's 20 different factors at play, and they all are completely controllable, and nobody wants to do it. And, of course, Joe Biden's not going to initiate it. You can hope that our next president would attack it, but there's no indication that... Would you be taking a breath anytime he soon? He would. Well, uh, he asks a complex <laughs> question. You know, why would somebody in a sanctuary city not be prosecuted? But here's, no, the, here's complex, the interesting thing. Here's the we interesting. have laws in this country. Listen, CNN, I was just looking up this story. I love this. CNN never mentions his name. Never. And he says he may be an unhoused resident. <laughs> I love that. An unhoused resident <laughs> with mental health issues. Well, certainly anybody who paints a swastika on a, in, a, in a public place has mental health issues. But, you know, the fact that CNN wouldn't mention that he was an illegal alien and had faced deportation before, I think is rather interesting. <laughs> Mark, 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 Mark. You want, you're saying that sanctuary cities are to help people get established that couldn't otherwise get established because of their job. First of all, they're <laughs> illegals. They shouldn't be here to start with. We have a process. It's called follow the law. I don't care how long it takes. Maybe if that's the problem, that it takes too long and costs too much for people that are worthy of coming to this country to help us. Maybe that's the problem. We need to reform that. You're going to have to finish my rebuke later. You want to hold or call back? <laughs> call back. <laughs> no, I'll call back. Call back. All right, thank you. But I'm listening. All right. Well, you know, and I, it stands 100% right. It's it's illegal to be here. These are illegal immigrants. That's how you get to be in a sanctuary no, city. they're aliens, not immigrants. They're not aliens. It's the 60s called. They want their word back. You're listening to WK, okay, Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome aboard WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Rob Satter is on the other side of the glass doing a fabulous job. Takes good care of us. Answers the phone. Uh, fills in the archives whenever necessary and just does a super job. So we're always glad for that. Across from me, Mr. Joe McGranahan. Very concerned about passing a cognitive test. Why are you so nervous and what are you studying for? Well, no, I'm worried about Joe. I don't think our president can pass one. Oh, you said you were worried about Joe taking a cognitive test. I, I am th- worried for him. I thought you were talking about yourself. No, no, no. I took it and I passed. <laughs> well, did you? When was that? I know today is Thursday. years <laughs> ago. <laughs> today is Thursday, yeah, unequivocally. No, you know it's the last day of your uh, shortened week. So. The President of the United States is Joe Biden, so I'm oriented to time, place, and circumstance. Good for you. <laughs> and you know what day it is. That seems to be their favorite question for uh, cognitive tests. All right, to be continued. On the market sponsor by the Sunbury Motor Company, so please do check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. That's 1-800-795-9565. We had State House member David Rowe on the line earlier. He talked about recreational marijuana. He would see what the Senate bill had to well, say when man. it came over. Yeah, Joe's, Joe's still getting a high 
saying lately, <laughs> so he's excited about that. And we also have the potentiality for uh, Convention of States is in the Senate committee now as well, so that's being talked about. We'll talk about with John Shipman. He's coming in tomorrow as the guest co-host, so uh, he always try to keep keep up on that when he is on our show. Uh, we also talked about sanctuary cities a little bit just a moment ago, so we can continue that conversation if you wish. And one particular deportee in particular is uh, causing problems, but not uh, being sent back to hence where he came. But uh, we can discuss that or any other topics. An open phones day. 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at on the mark at wkok.com and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Some very brief news headlines here. Just 54 new statewide cases of COVID-19 in the past 24 hours. That number, of course, has been between 20 and 30,000 on some occasions in the past month. So the surge of new cases is going down. The surge in hospitalizations is going down. And believe it or don't, and uh, this is kind of grim good news, but deaths are going down too. Just 116 new statewide COVID-19 deaths reported as of Tuesday. Now that has peaked and is going down from this latest surge as well. Of course, that's the lagging indicator about 30 days after the cases appear. And uh, now that is going down as well. Of course, with the Omicron, it was about three weeks after the case appeared that the death rate uh, would occur. You can read more about those numbers at WKOK.com. Geisinger's changing their COVID-19 visitation policy. Now two designated visitors can be chosen to visit a particular patient in the hospital. AP reporting today that the period of time for candidates and their supporters to circulate petitions to qualify for Pennsylvania's May 17th primary election was put on temporary hold Wednesday by the state Supreme Court. It's while the redistricting issue primarily related to the governor is being discussed, but state legislative, U.S. congressional, U.S. Senate governor and lieutenant governor races are all, all put on hold for circulating a petition right now. It was to start on Tuesday. A bill approved by the state Senate Judiciary Committee would provide a way for opioid users to determine if the drug they're using, most likely illegally, contains a deadly ingredient. Our correspondent Mark Sims reports on that controversial idea. The bill would legalize test strips which can help drug users to determine if highly potent fentanyl has been added to heroin. Senator Lisa Baker, who chairs the committee, supports the bill despite the mixed message it may send. Well, I recognize that some people say, you know, we are going to be giving strips to allow someone to test an illegal substance. We are here to talk about saving lives. And, and if the Department of Health, the Department of Drug and Alcohol programs support the bill, as well as the District Attorney's Association. A similar bill was recently passed by the House Judiciary Committee. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. And finally, The Hill is reporting the Biden administration Wednesday pushed back against what it called the misinformation, saying a federal grant program meant to reduce harm to drug users does not use taxpayer funding for crack pipes. The State Department of Health and Human Services, or U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, put out a statement clarifying that no federal funding will be used directly or through subsequent indirect purchases of pipes for safe smoke kits that can be distributed. The White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told reporters at a briefing that it was a falsehood that was invented by conservative media and conservative lawmakers, and of course it is a lie. She says those reports are inaccurate misinformation. She said there is a $30 million harm reduction
Action Program that might include materials such as alcohol swabs, lip balm, clean syringes, and other materials intended to promote hygiene and re- reduce the risk of death, disease, and HIV among drug users. She says the goal is to reduce the risk of spreading disease among drug users, but that, of course, as every common sense uh, normal person assumed yesterday, there's no crack pipe being given away by the federal government. Oh, man, I'm disappointed. You're still... You're still <laughs> yeah, if that's a gateway drug... I thought that drug, was a great idea. If all this pot you're smoking <laughs> is a gateway drug, you're going to be in trouble. Eric, go right ahead. we got four calls, so we're going to use our old-fashioned three-minute limit for callers. Go right ahead. Very good. Uh, I appreciate Stan's calling in, asking me to call in. Thank you, Stan. I'll, I'll take you up on that offer. Unlike uh, some people call into this show, I am not a absolute anything. I believe there's good and bad... Uh, 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 in every party, political party, our two, uh, I am a Democrat. I think that's that's not uh, any surprise to anyone. But I don't I don't what? totally believe everything the Democrats are putting out. I I, I am also a believer that uh, we have an immigration problem in the United States, and we've been trying to address that for generations since I was a kid. Um, I, I don't know what the answers are, but I think the Democrats are trying to look at some of the answers. I, I don't necessarily agree with, with uh, sanctuary cities. I don't agree that we should not be enforcing the laws that are on the books. On the other hand, you know, our previous president thought it was going to fix the whole thing by building a wall and then make, making Mexico pay for it, and that was ludicrous. And we put everything that seemed from his administration into let's build that wall and I'll make Mexico pay for it. And, and all of us knew that was a joke. As soon as you build a wall, there's people, you know, just tunneling underneath it or whatever. What we have to do in this country is look to try to improve people's lives. And that includes also trying to improve the lives of people who are living south of our border so they feel they don't have to be crossing into our country to try to improve themselves. Then maybe that's what we need to look at, trying to improve, help, helping improve the lives of people who live in central and south and southern parts of America, largely the people who are trying to come to the United States. Also, this country must come to grips with the fact that we have a society which is accepting and promoting the use of illegal drugs. And so many people coming people come across the border are actually mules being exploited by the, the drug lords to bring drugs into this country. And, and until our country gets to the point where we decide illegal drugs, recreational drugs, are not a good idea, we will not attack this problem adequately. But now we have people who are promoting now marijuana as being you know, a, a safe and a safe drug to use. Just a question, indeed, if I may. And there may be some good uses for marijuana, medical marijuana. Eric? We also know from, from many, many years of, of research and also my family history that people who start with marijuana often go to the harder drugs. May I ask and you a question, sir? drugs, which are promoting a lot of the illegal immigration, illegal activity at our borders. Eric, you mentioned that you think it's our responsibility to help those people south of our borders to uh, have a better life. Why is that our responsibility, not the government or the place what where they I live? What I said was, Joe, that if we would address some of those problems, it would help reduce the amount of people trying to get to our country. Why is it our responsibility to address those problems? I said it's not our responsibility, but it's one way of looking at this. Rather than trying to catch them once they come across, if we try to help them, you know, develop their own uh, economies, then the, the likelihood of people trying to come across our borders will be less. 
So isn't that akin to saying that if we got in and really helped these gangs uh, be better now you're crooks? Talking about gangs. I'm talking no, about governments or, or, or I'm, I'm saying by, whereby these folks can you, have. You didn't let me finish my point. You, you didn't let me finish my point. You're, you're saying okay. that by direct intervention, we should solve everybody's problems. In other words, the government should go down there and take matters in hand, fix their lives so they don't come here. Uh, by extension, we should jump into the middle of gangs and try and find them better work so that they don't the, the, commit there crimes. There you go, Joe. You're bringing the gang. And the, and the criminal element into it. Well, they're coming the across the border. exists because our country is is using the recreational drugs they, and make it very lucrative for these people to right. get the drugs cheap wherever they manufacture them and then put them on the back of these mules who are coming across into the United States. Break. All right. Thank you so much, Eric. Well, I'm not done. <laughs> well, Joe can continue, but Eric is done. Go ahead, Joe. You want to respond still no, further? I, I just think that, you know, you look at the you look at the problem and then what's coming across the border are illegal drugs. If we just stop it, if we go back to Donald Trump's policies with the border, we stop it, we cut down on some of the illegal immigration, we cut down on some of the drugs, maybe we can get a handle on it. But to say to spread it all over the country is nonsensical to me. It doesn't doesn't make any sense to take these people we know nothing about, ship them all over the country at taxpayers' expense, and then say it's our responsibility or we ought to go down south and solve their problems where they live. I mean, you, you always tell me, why are we the world's policeman? Why are we the world's social worker? All right. Thank you so much. 1-800-795-9565. Stan, you're on the mark. You get 60 seconds. <laughs> uh, Joe's right. We've been sending foreign aid south of the border for decades. So they keep the, keep our money, send their poor or whoever to the north so we can pay for it again. That's what's going on. And as far as drugs go, now Eric says and he, uh, constantly, Mex- Trump said Mexico's going to pay for the wall. Yeah, he did. Maybe that was a campaign promise that was broken, but it would be similar to Biden saying he was going to shut down COVID. So I give... Trump slack on that one. But he did try to build the wall, but the Democrats and a lot of Republicans, the establishment Republicans, refused to help him. That's the problem. Build the wall, build it high, build it deep. Can't dig under if it's deep enough, can't go over it if it's high enough. And finish it, because right now, down on the southern border in the gaps, they're getting probably a thousand people through there a day. The cartels are bringing them up, which is part of Biden helping the cartels He's part of the human trafficking with the cartels, not stopping it. Along with the drug dealing, he's not stopping it. He's allowing it to come through. Biden and his administration is completely complicit in the human trafficking and drug trade. Well, if you watch what I got if you to say wa- about that, if Thank you watch you, CNN Thank or MSNBC, you wouldn't know there was a problem with the southern border. You would think everything is just hunky dory and the border is closed and Biden's doing a bang up job. I don't think they cover it anymore, right? No, they yeah, don't. Fox is still covering. Okay. Fox is covering it. All right. Well, they're it's all it's a wedge the, issue, and they got an opportunity to make hay news while today, the sun's shining. The big news today on MSNBC. MSNBC and CNN is that somebody in the White House during Donald Trump's administration said they went into a bathroom that the president used and found papers floating on the toilet, like he was ripping up documents and trying to flush them. Oh, okay. One of our listeners says news reports reveal that President Trump took boxes of documents with him when he left the White House and stored them at Mar-a-Lago. Now the National Archives is asking the Department of Justice to investigate as some of the documents may have been classified. Anyone who shouted, lock her up, regarding Hillary Clinton's email should now start yelling lock him up about this. Of course, they won't because Republicans believe breaking the law is okay for Trump. Rules for thee 
but not for me. Sort of like the Democrats with mask mandates. But listen, E.B., um, you say the documents may have been classified. In Hillary's case, some of them absolutely were classified. If Donald Trump took care of, uh, took with him classified documents, he should pay a penalty, we'll as should do, of Hillary. We'll have to do sewage surveillance at Mar-a-Lago like we do looking for COVID in the sewer system. All right, stand by, Joseph and Mike. You guys are next. We go quickie break. We do have two open lines, 1-800-795-9565. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Go ahead. All right, we are. We're very much concerned about the borders of the Ukraine, but nowhere near as <laughs> concerned about the borders of the United States of America. Yeah, we don't want Europe's map to change at all, but, but <laughs> if ours. half of Mexico comes pouring into the U.S., or anybody in Canada, for that matter, we get all upset. All right. One of our good listeners, when Stan was laughing at my Sanctuary City explanation, Said, he's... Stan, good laugh. It was warranted. All right. <laughs> and another one. Eric, Eric, Eric. Go Eric ahead. is in denial about the true reason immigration is a problem now. Seriously, future Democratic voters. Joseph, you're on the mark. Yes, uh, thank you for allowing me to express my opinion on this radio program. Yeah, I want to speak about uh, uh, illegal aliens, and my wife is from Vietnam, and she came over here legally 20-some years ago. She had to go to the Philippines first to learn the basics of English. Then she come here, and she uh, wanted to become a... She had to pay money, by the way, too. She... and go through, jump through all the hoops. Then she uh, wanted to be a citizen of this great country. And she studied and studied, and she had to know who the president, the speaker of the house, how many senators, how many congressmen. And she, by the time she got her citizenship, she knew more about American history than I did. Uh, but she'd done it legally. And all these people had come here legally, and we had to run to Philly and the Harrisburg out how many times to do documents and papers. And now these people coming in just flooding the country, and uh, this is just totally unfair. And uh, by the way, uh, Mr. Eric, uh, he's a Democrat, and he supports, uh, he got to support a, uh, a party that is, is privy to this stuff, because it's the Democrat Party, it's allowing them to just flood in. And by the way, it was a Democrat Party that was in favor of slavery in the South, was it not? Anyway, that said, um, that said, I want to say this to you, you two, Joe and uh, Mark. Yesterday after I hung up, you uh, made a statement. You said, beat the crap out of the kids, uh, put welts on them uh, and rubber hoses. I never said anything like that. And Eric insinuated that also. What I said was, when I was a boy, I got the rubber hose from my teacher. Then I said that there, it, it that another teacher should have been present 
if a teacher did uh, use corporal punishment. I never used a rubber hose on my children. I never injured my children. I did discipline them. And uh, by the way, Eric, if you're listening, I hope you're not cringing too bad, but if you would, you say you studied psychology. Well, I wonder if you know more than the creator of the universe, because he says this, he that spares his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chastens him early. Uh, but evidently you know more than the creator of how <laughs> things should be run. And by the way, when he comes back, and which is going to be very soon, he's going to rule the earth with a rod of iron and dash it, uh, the inhabitants of in pieces that don't obey him. It's going to be swift judgment when he comes back. All right. So I don't know which God you're serving, but you're not serving the one that uh, says these things in the Bible. In your view. Okay, we got you, Joseph. Anything so else? I think Joseph left. Oh, uh, he probably got cut off. I think he usually talks more. Uh, call back, Joseph, if you need to. Upper right-hand corner, Joe. Yes, no matter the immigration policy, no one gets in the country until approved. They should be applying at the U.S. Embassy in their home country. Well, that's true. They should be, but they aren't. Right, and lower right-hand corner. And let's see. Stan, how long is the border wall? How much would it cost Florida to California? Actually, Florida to California isn't necessary. The Texas border from the Gulf to California is a little bit less than 2,000 miles, of which 700 miles is already fenced. So we just need 1,300 miles 1,300 miles. And you say there's some places where we would not need sure, anything. Sure, there are some places where it wouldn't be necessary. We're totally barren and desolate. To, well, too difficult to cross. Okay. It's like, you know, if you've got 65-foot cliffs straight up, nobody's going to be able to scale them with a short of grappling hooks. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think you got a motivated person in, in the southern uh, hemisphere that and then might want up here. One of our other texters says, the jackass twice impeached President Trump never followed the law, so why should anyone else? He was a lawless liar and a stupid racist buffoon. Okay. <laughs> is that like a bassoon? It's a, it, it a is. Baffoon. It doesn't make that kind of sound, though. Okay. All right, Mike, last caller before a quickie break, and go right ahead you're on the mark yeah i want to speak about electric vehicles but first uh, just two things quickly uh i guess we're a lot big news today one of them is uh, trump and, and mishandling documents and things like that i think that's kind of interesting that today is the day that the inflation data using the newly revised formulas to make inflation look lower showed that inflation again is running you know heading towards eight percent for the month of January, and I'm not hearing anybody talk, you know, in our government. They want to help everybody, but I haven't heard anything about how this is affecting people who are on fixed incomes, okay? Where everybody else is concerned about, but for some reason, older people on fixed incomes, there's not too much, uh, what do you call it, compassion. Okay, that, that's number one. And then number two, where uh, immigration looks like it's becoming a real popular uh, on this uh, show here. And these people are coming into the United States, and I know they're looking for a better life. For the, for the most part, I would believe that to be true. However, I brought three children into this country, and to do so, I jumped through hoops basically for years. I had to prove that I had the means to support them until they were of legal age. I had to prove that they would be no burden to the government and the taxpayers of this country by showing that I had a job, showing that I had assets, showing that I had insurance for them, and on and on and on. Yet, we have people in Washington that are willing to just say, 
come across the border and we will transport you for free all over the well when i say free someone's paying and yet it, and we know who it is it's the american taxpayers it's the federal treasury and they're re- being relocated and yes they're being sponsored by uh groups that are you know basically you know that have things at heart for them i understand that too but to me it really doesn't make sense because the government's uh, trying to hide what they're doing. They're not being forthright. You know, if the government is so proud of what they're doing, helping people, you think there'd be numbers about the number of people they relocated, where they're going, uh, what their education level is and all that. But no, they're hiding all that information because they're not proud. They're just doing it because they want control of the future. Okay, that said, that's my rant. Here, here I'm looking for some help from you, Mark. Uh, over the last week, I've been laying on bed, hanging on for dear life, you know, hoping I didn't die, because Biden said he was going to stop COVID, but he didn't. It got me finally. But long story short, I'm wondering, hey, is my car, that internal combustion engine that I have in the driveway, is that going to start when I finally get good enough to go out there and, and uh, push the button? And luckily it did. But while I was sick, I was thinking, man, I'd like to have an electric vehicle because I'm hearing about all these plans to install charging stations and build batteries and everything. You know, I, I want to know the truth. If there is a war on the internal combustion engine and gasoline, where is the plan? What is the plan? Why aren't we seeing a game plan laid out for the future? Instead of all these promises, all these narratives, all these things to get people excited, where are the facts? How are these cars going to be made? How much are they going to cost? Are they going to be within reach of the average person? But no, we're not hearing that. We're just hearing narratives, and it's the same story from everything that comes out of Washington. It's narratives, long on narratives, and short on facts. And that's my rant. All right, we got you. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Mike. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. Take right. care. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We do have time to take another caller before the quickie break. That would be Cindy. Cindy, you go right ahead. You're on the mark. First, I just want to say that I raised two children. One, at the age of twenty-eight, earned her PhD in health planning and administration, and the other one owns and operates successfully his own business. And I never found it necessary to strike my children. And I think that when you hit your child, it isn't their failure, it's yours. Having said that, um, I looked up where, I remember President Trump saying that he would get Mexico to pay for the wall, and, and I understood his scheme was to tax remittances. So what are remittances? Remittances is the money that people who've come to this country send back via wire transfers to their home country. And how much is that? Well, last year, $50 billion went to Mexico. $50 billion. Now, people who argue that we should allow this illegal immigration uh, say these people are taking low-wage jobs and uh, jobs that Americans don't want, and that's the money they're sending back to Mexico. Well, I ask you, how in the world... If you're making $7.25 an hour, can you feed yourself, clothe yourself, house yourself, and send money back to wherever? You'd have to be a magician. I don't know how you do that math. (laughs) I really don't. So the truth of the matter is that they're exploiting America. They're exploiting Americans. And how extensive is this sending of remittances out of our country? 
Well, because the issue came up, we should do something to help these people, which actually we do. We send billions of dollars every year to Central America and to uh, Latin America and to Mexico. And we let's not forget, I think it was under President Clinton's reign, we forgave their debt to us, a massive debt. We, gave, we, just, gave, we just gave them a free pass on paying us back for that. Well, this report that I'm looking at says that Remittances this year represent one-fourth the GDP in Honduras. In El Salvador, 26%, 18% in Guatemala, 15% in Haiti. These people came to our country, they take jobs here, um, and then earn this money. It's supposed to be low wage, doesn't make any sense that it is, and they send this money back to their country. And it's not pennies. It's not... It's it's in the billions and billions and billions of dollars. Now, the only way I can figure you could pull this off is if you work under the table. Now, you're not paying any taxes. You're not paying an income tax here to the country. You're not paying a state income tax. You're not paying a local income tax. You're not paying um, the services taxes. Yes, they'll say. The advocates will screech and scream, oh, they pay taxes. True. If you go into a store and buy a book, and a sales tax is levied on that book, yes, you've paid that tax. But when you ask me to pay five, six, seven, eight taxes every time I earn a dollar, why are these people allowed to work here and pay de minimis taxes? Good question. Well, are not most and of the remittances money? Pay? Why shouldn't we click? You know, if, if you, if you uh, earn money and you choose to buy stock, and I've advocated for this, and you sell your stock, you pay a tax on that. So you bought this product with your money, and you pay a tax on it. Why, if you've gotten this income here in the United States, shouldn't you also have to pay a tax, a remittance fee? Now, do we know the money exists? Yes. The World Bank talks about it. I mean, I'm looking at articles here online. It's, this isn't any big secret. Where does most of the remittance money come from? Is it drug dealers who are operating in the U.S.? Because we know that we see a lot of uh, drug dealers bringing uh, drugs into the U.S. illegally over the southern border. And then, of course, they go anywhere they need to in the U.S., distribute that and get the money. Is that what most of the remittance is? The spike in remittances from the U.S. has become a common trend as workers in industrialized nations try to keep their families in Latin America and the Caribbean regions afloat during the pandemic. So apparently not, Mark. Okay, so it's not mostly that, or it certainly is some of it. I would interpret that as no, that's not. And they go on to quote a farm worker in El Paso, Texas, who's sending money home to his family. You know, that's hard to say. I don't think people are actively raising their hand and saying, oh, yes, I'm working here illegally and I'm sending all my money home. Well, I would suspect a lot of that money is illegal drug activity, whether you the X percentage, you and I can't fill in because we don't have that. But we know from different experts who have called this show that monitor this objectively, say that that is where a lot of the money is coming from. It's people who come into the U.S., they're weighed down with illegal drugs, they make it to a city, you know, they make it all the way up to Pittsburgh or into the Ohio's illegally, sell the drugs, and then they have all this cash, and it's got to be remitted back to wherever, and then well, they either 
either stay here or they go well, back. Many countries, many countries have made it illegal. Here in this country, many, let's tax it. Many countries have made it illegal to transfer money, their currency, out of the country over the over history. I don't know how many are doing it right. now, if any. Right. But it would seem to me if it were out of control, that would be one way to stop it. Well, and I think the other factor is we have an insatiable appetite for these illegal drugs. They're not bringing it into the U.S. because they're, well, I, I don't mean please, we, you please, and me Martin, on the phone. Let's okay. not say we. I don't believe the majority of Americans have an insatiable appetite for We as drugs. a collective U.S. have an insatiable appetite. Okay, we got to go. Thank you so much, Thank Cindy. You. Really appreciate the call. Another great factor in this immigration conversation. We've got two lines on hold, one coming in, and do we have to take a break first? An email and texts. We'll be right back. Busy day. Three calls on hold and one, oh, one line open. Email? Yes. Question to Cindy. Did Trump ever get that remittance approved? Did we ever collect any money to pay for the wall? And the answer would be no. No. Lower right-hand corner. And then, uh, I don't care what the wall would cost. It needs to be done. We waste billions in other countries. That money should be used for the wall. And then this one, Joseph's wife is exactly the kind of immigrants this country wants and needs. She loves this country and obeys its laws. Eric, 60 seconds. First of all, to Joseph, uh, I love his, all his political discourse when he's the first one to admit he is some sort of ambassador of Yahweh and doesn't even vote. Uh, agree with Cindy absolutely about, uh, about not beating children, and, and Joseph keeps talking about the rod and the rod of, of iron. Joseph never mentions the New Testament and Christ's love. Back to Cindy's other uh, facts, uh, I'm looking at the Internet, too, Cindy, and uh, a nice uh, uh, summary of detail, but here's the facts. India is the world's largest recipient of remittances, receiving $87 billion from the United States, followed by China. Then Mexico is in at 43, Philippines and Egypt. And we all know how many folks we know of, of Indian descent who are in professional jobs, lawyers, doctors, and so forth. And, yeah, they send some of their money back home to support mom and dad or to put money away because they know when they finish their career here, they go back there and live rather well on the money they sent back over. So the fact that we believe that all this money is being sent back by the people trying to eke out a living, you know, paid under the table, is not true. Okay, thank you. All right. India, thank you. China, Philippines, and Egypt. All right. Okay, thanks. Thank, thank you so much. Take care, Eric. Joe, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. From Sunbury. Oh, thank you, man. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, at the end of Joseph's call, I uh, heard Mark say that uh, it was Joseph's opinion, uh, and I'm and Joseph was quoting the Bible. So when you uh, or Joe there at the station would read a uh, news article and have a quote in it, and Joe would quote it, and then you would say that's Joe's opinion, that's not Joe's opinion, right? He's just quoting what the man said in the article, right? In theory, so, yeah. So I believe Joseph was quoting the Bible, and Joseph made it clear on quite a few calls that when he expresses himself that way it's not his opinion uh, the, that good book was written before Joseph was born I would think so and uh, I I just want to ask Mark is, is how do you say that's Joseph's opinion when he's reading it it's not his opinion he's just relaying it he's like the the conduit for the word of 
Well, then I, let me, therein let me, lies the issue. It's the conduit. I'm not saying that Joe's misquoting right, the Bible. He's reading exactly. He's not. All right, let me answer. Not, I don't think that, in my opinion. Go I'm ahead. trying to answer. The I don't believe Joe's misquoting the Bible, or Joseph is right. misquoting the Bible. He might be, right. but I, I certainly don't know that right. to be true. But then the conduit is your interpretation. That's his opinion. His opinion is no, that he's what not, he's reading. For somebody who asked a lot of questions, how did you ever get so smart if you won't listen? If he's interpreting the Bible that way, that's his prerogative. That is his opinion. I read the same Bible. I never beat my kid. I would never touch my kid with a rubber hose or a switch or even spanker or anything like that. We raised a great kid. We didn't use corporal punishment. We didn't need to. But I have the same Bible, still the same Christian, same God, but still. I didn't pull out any old quotes and say, well, I guess if I use a rod that's no bigger than my thumb, I could beat my wife or I could hit my kid just because the Bible. Bible says I could. Joe? Oh, I was going to say in Ecclesiastics, you can stone homosexuals. So. Well, there you go. But, you know, I, I read the same Bible. But, but here, Well, yeah, but here's the I'm thing. I'm the conduit. How, I interpret. How many just how many different religions are there in the world? How many different Protestant sects alone are there? You know, so who's in, everybody's interpretation is a little bit different. Everybody believes something a little bit different. Who's to say who's right and who's wrong? Uh, I believe my Bible says I'm right and your Bible's wrong. Well, I don't, you know, there are different Doesn't interpretations. There are different translations. Listen to different sermons from the same piece of scripture. <laughs> you never... Hey, I... Yes, go right ahead. Right. Okay. I think the Bible warns us about interpreting the Word of God, right? That's not a good thing. That's because human beings do what you do or what we do. I, you know, I, is, there, is there not in the New Testament warnings about interpreting the Word of God? That's how you end up with extremists uh, and even disagreements in different sects like uh, Lutheranism. Right there. So, how, isn't there a warning? I'll just leave it at that question, if Mark would know. but I, I can't think of anything that tells us specifically not to misinterpret uh, the scriptures in the New Testament or in um, Jim, I don't know. Jim Jones Jim Jones believed what he was doing was right and biblically correct. The rest of right. us disagree with that. I, and don't I we? read a lot of New Testament right. gospel, and I, I just never find in there, whoop your kids if you get a chance. It, you know, it's weird. It's just not in there. Evil. That would be evil. That, yeah, no that, kidding. We're not talking. Mark's going to an extreme to make a point, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Joseph quoting the Bible, and you said that's his interpretation. That's not his interpretation. I don't I don't believe it. Right, I'm not making a deal, but we can move on to what... Uh, uh, Eric called and said in the New Testament he gave two words about Christ's love. Well, there was a lot more in the New Testament, and Christ, <laughs> did, the Messiah, did uh, talk about when someone would do something wrong to a child, that uh, a millstone would be hung around their neck. It would be better for them that a millstone be hung around their neck and thrown into the deepest ocean. So that part I'm kind of clear on. So. There's no doubt if a parent does something like that, beats a child, that's wrong. Right. Or if a stranger or someone else, you're not maybe getting my... And I'll blame myself for not making... Yeah, I was going to say... I, Joseph I, did say the when, the, when the Lord comes back again, there's, he's going to have a steel rod with him. That doesn't sound like peace and love, does it, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Upper right-hand corner, Joe. I, <laughs> 
<laughs> just read. There are I just read. articles claiming Trump ate sensitive documents in the Oval Office, laughing out loud. He ate them? Well, yeah, they said he chewed some and oh, threw others in the toilet. So, you know, come Pete. on. <laughs> come on, people. Work with us here. All right. There, there, then uh, much of that. the remittance sent south of the border goes to the cartels that traffic the illegals across our southern border. All right. Bob, you're next up. Thank you so much for calling in. Yeah. Good morning. I uh, just wanted to say, you know, people are complaining about these immigrants coming in here. And, I mean, I don't know. They're breaking a little law coming into our country, which I understand that. But <laughs> look at these people that are, you know, being released from jail for violating a PSA, and they return to a home and they kill people. You know, that's our own American citizens doing this stuff. But why don't we have everybody in the U.S. and anybody who's in another country comply with our laws 100 percent? Wouldn't that make it easier? Then nobody would be killed if they're on a PFA and no illegals, uh, no people who well, are illegal. Well, if we had a police officer on every corner, that might work, but we don't. And as far as it goes, as far as making uh, paying taxes on your income, I think all of us are guilty for n- making income and not paying taxes on it. What? Have you a- what? Have you ever babysat children oh, yes. for a relative and get paid under the table? Have you ever done cleaning for anybody and got paid under the table? Have you ever mowed somebody's lawn and not got paid for well, you know, it? I hate to on tell you, on on. but in addition to the CIA representative we have here in the studios with us at all times, we have somebody from the IRS as well. And <laughs> we've just reported you, Bob, for taking all that money <laughs> under the table. There's a woman from the IRS here. Well, She's if, taking if notes. If you can go back 40 years and collect it, then more than <laughs> Welcome to try We're talking the IRS here, Bob. <laughs> you yeah, really want to take a, the chance? I used to be a caddy on a golf course, and millions of dollars went through the caddy system and no taxes paid. Right. And you can go outside and do anything. You can sell fruits and vegetables and not pay taxes on them. All right. All right. We got you, Bob. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bob. Yep. Appreciate right, the call. Have a good Have one. A good day. All right. We got three emails pending and one caller's ready. We will be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Joe, you go wherever you want to. <laughs> I don't know what we decided. Okay, uh, we decided that we'd give Joseph his one more minute. Oh, okay. 60 seconds, buddy. Go right ahead. Joseph? Oh, just me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hello. Yes, yeah. you've got a minute. Go ahead. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, uh, to comment on Erica, and again, I did not advocate going around beating children with rubber hoses and rods. I didn't say that. <laughs> I never beat my children with a rubber hose or hurt them or injured them in any way. But when they deserved corporal punishment, I did enact that. I disciplined him properly. Normal and you spanking. you don't go around beating him just indiscriminately. Well, let me, would you when explain? I, when I, 
Would you explain well, uh, out of curiosity? I mean, you say you you uh, you didn't beat them with a rod or a stick or a hose, but you did it properly. What is proper? Well, I took my belt off and uh, oh, okay. put some uh, pain on the backside, on the posterior, so to speak, as you say. And, and uh, I'll tell you, it 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 really worked. Now I did. I didn't do that all the time, but if they deserved, if they did something that was that was wrong and would be detrimental to them, and I tried to correct them, and, and I, you know, I learned how to do. I learned how I raised five children: two, two adopted, one foster child, and two of my own. And uh, they're all different. One child, all I need to do is say, "Matt, don't do that." You know that. And that would that would be it. All right. he, he would. We got he you. was good. All right. I had another boy. No, 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 no. There, but no other boys were. Well, out I'm of sorry. Time. I asked Joseph a question. And I, and so I, that's I had fine. To correct and, and correct him very strongly. All right. Yes. Perfect. Thank you, Joseph. Thanks for the clarification. And again, old Testament. No, no, no. Again. <laughs> sorry. Uh, With the belt. All right. The so upper right belt hand is, corner. A belt's acceptable. Yeah, not in my view. Okay. I, uh, half our audience shook their head no when All he right. said well, that. Well, then uh, one of our other emailers says, "I'm quite surprised at the amount of times Joseph has brought part." of the Bible into what he says, and you people cut him off because it's religious-oriented. I really believe that if more of us listened to the stories and prophecies of the Bible, we would be living a more perfect life. Seems to be one of you as a minister, so why cut this man who has studied and evidently lives the prophecies? I think Joseph should be allowed to say whatever he wants because isn't on the mark a talk show of opinions of people. You should not be cutting him off, but others who speak on other subjects. Uh, we don't cut anybody off. We give them a time limit. Yeah, everybody goes. And when they start repeating themselves or going back over the same material again, it's unfair to keep on going when they've already said what they've said. <laughs> or if they ask a question and won't listen. But in any event, noted. Uh, thank you. If you interpret that w- that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. One of our listeners sent us a couple of clips saying President Trump would eat torn up documents at the <laughs> White House. I just can't believe that's true. But anyway, another listener says India levies a 5% tax on all outbound remittances, and I'm sure they get a lot of money from that. And another says, hey, Bob, let's see you cross another country's border illegally and see what happens to you for breaking that little law, unquote. Dan, you're on the mark. You're going to be our last caller of the day. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Well, you know, Joseph's right. There's a proper place for corporal punishment, and all my generation grew up with that kind of discipline and most of us didn't turn out too bad now in my whole life I think I only got three weapons one two at home and one at school and I deserved them and it didn't injure my psychic and I'm still mentally pretty stable and you gotta remember You talk about the Old Testament. Well, Proverbs is a wisdom book which never fades away. So you can apply that perfectly to the New Testament in rightly dividing the word of truth. So that fits perfectly with today. So, you, you know, now I realize we're not living under the sacerdotal system anymore. We're living in the book from Romans up to Titus. That's where we're living today. That's where you get your doctrine, rightly dividing word of truth. 
So if you want to know how you're to live, yeah, you go by the wisdom books, but you go by Romans out through Titus, and that's where you're going to learn to live today. And in Timothy, we're told to rightly divide the word of truth. So killing a witch has nothing to do with us today. It, 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 but uh, that's where you want to live. Not even the Gospels. All right, we We're got you. Past that because Christ isn't on earth anymore. So when it says do not suffer a witch to live, it's not talking about literal witches. Yeah, it, it was so that day in the in that so there day were they witches. Were living under the Jewish law, they were that was their commandment. But we're not living there today. But if the Bible says don't suffer a witch to live, that would imply that witches exist or existed. Exactly, they still do. Oh, okay. They Noted. still. You watch your TV. There's they. They even are proud of being serving Satan. They're proud of it, even though they would not admit they serve Satan. But who's the witches on TV? TV. So they're, the old they're proud of being a witch. The old sitcom, the old sitcom Bewitched, was satanic. Oh, there was a more well, modern witch it, series it, too. It was, yeah, it was just an inroad. Although no one took it serious, I didn't. Uh, you know, I didn't watch it much. I saw it, but I didn't take it serious. But yet, it got it in your mind. And it was a good thing, and it was, it's actually an evil thing. All right, we got you, Dan. Thank you so okay, much for calling in. Where do you stand on the Olympics, the Dan? Oh, <laughs> Always stirring up trouble. Now I you're know, taking I the know. day I'm off. Not taking the day off. Hey, John Shipman will be in tomorrow. Joe is being suspended for three days for stirring up trouble. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury WKOK News Time. It is and now 10 a.m.